Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastically frightening episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Wowzy McWowserson, do we got an episode for you. My name is Stefan Gearhart. I'm your host for the evening, and I am joined, as always, by my vampirific co-host with the most hostess, Josh Rutledge. Man, you know what? I could really go for a hostess cupcake right now, and you just you just put that in my mind. I don't know. Yep. The hostess <laughs> with the hostess cupcake. That's, that's what you are. Yep. That's what you are. <laughs> so, but yeah, we, we got a humdinger because we're back doing another topic. I'm really excited about doing that. We've had a lot of getting spooky yeah. the last couple of weeks. Um, just, you know, between our contacts and Keith Age's contacts, man, they were just yeah. one after another, which is fine with me, but I'm excited to uh, share a little something, a little something, something, get some knowledge out there. Right. It's a little education. Some edgy mercurshirt. That's exactly what we're trying to do here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking about the Men in Black, not the movie with Will Smith, no. uh, nor the one with Chris Hemsworth, um, but the actual Men in Black, uh, the ones that were made popular throughout the ages. But I know John Keel, Mothman Prophecies, talked about them quite a bit. Um, a lot of different books talked about yep. it. There's one in particular that I'm thinking of. I think maybe it was Gray Barker that wrote yep. it. Yep. Yeah, so Gray Barker wrote his. I think he was one of the first ones to devote a book to the Men in Black. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about the Men in Black, those, uh, those, those people or creatures that tend yeah. to be around when abductions and UFO sightings happen. Are they of the government? Are they of the other world? I don't know. We will, uh, we will discuss we will we'll opine the word that I like yeah, to use. <laughs> we will opine. Uh, but before we get into that, we got our list of segments to get through. So let's start off with our uh, psychic word of the week. As usual, this comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June Bletzer. I think this is back in 1986. Um, I uh, uh, bibliomanced this book and opened up to a page that we've actually been on before, but a different one grabbed my eye this time. And uh, the phrase that popped out this time was imaginary ghost. 
Hmm. Uh, and imaginary ghost is this. It is an energy field that is brought into being by the sitters of a psychic circle who meet regularly. Sitters decide upon a name, make up a personal history for it, concentrate on it, and encourage the name to perform physical phenomena. Eventually, the energy field created by the unity, desire, and persistence of the group will perform for them. Uh, for example, it might tip a table or wrap on the wall or even bring psychic information. It may be that an etheric world intelligence steps in to fill the desires of the sitters. So it's like, um, yeah, it's the, almost like a, like a, I don't know, this is probably not exactly correct, but what, what kind of popped into my head was like, you're, you're making the best, you're making a vessel and because there's like a an empty shell, some actual spirit energy that may not be able to or may not want to interact on its own can then use that shell like a puppet. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It almost reminds me of whatever the phrase was either last week or the one with the mysterious J where they essentially conjured a being into existence. Well, no, that was – yeah, that was with Vashti and that we were talking about the um, – the energy, I can't, oh, I can't think what it's called. But when you, when you get a lot of people in the in the room together or whatever, yeah, and they on, all use have that, use that psychosomatic brain you got, man. Uh, it's like it's like uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna have it. I'm not gonna. Have, it's like a pus, a, a etheric energy, or I don't know. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't know. But but yeah, it's the same type of thing. It's like all the positivity of the crowd uh, forms this energy type being, mm -hmm. if you will. And that being's intentions are that of whatever the crowd's intentions are. And it in turn feeds the crowd into getting more and more energetic. And so this is kind of the same thing. The difference here is that in, in that, in that case, the crowd is the puppet master, if you will, right. Or potentially, the energy is the puppet master of the crowd, maybe. But in this case, the the people doing the work, you know, I don't know, the psychics or whatever the case may be, they're creating the energy, and then something else is coming in and interacting with it. Mm -hmm. There's three parties involved as opposed to two parties in the other one. Yep. Man, I wish I could remember what the heck that other word was. Oh, was it uh, Mass Elemental? That's what it there was. There it is. Yeah, I knew it had an E in it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's... But yeah, the, yeah, very, same. very, very similar in a way, for sure. Very, very interesting to, uh, you know, to randomly have come across something similar. <laughs> well, and also it, it kind of, I think, fits in line with something that, you know, I was talking with uh, you and Santosh about, uh, just, just like, oh, like last week, maybe, or, or we, you know, something about, um, can you have, you know, as, as you, uh, can you have accidental, um, manifestations from an individual? Like, you know, you, right. you're, you're just, your mind is tuned in or, or a group of people are tuned in and you create that accidental manifestation and it's kind of the same thing. In this example, it's it's a purposeful manifestation. In our in, in the what I was talking with you guys about is it's it's more of a you don't know what you're doing. You accidentally did what this thing is talking about. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, you know, I always wonder the words that we pick, is it going to influence what happens to us over the next week? <laughs> so that's what I always think about. So I'll be thinking about that as well. Um, but yeah, is there, you, go ahead. Is there a psychic word for like win the lottery or something? I mean, you know, maybe we should pick that one. Next yeah, time. it's called cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for real, though. No, but uh, let's go ahead and get into spooky news, all right? So I've got two stories for you this week for spooky news. Um, One kind of interesting one, and one is a little bit of verification, which is kind of fun. Um, So, But the first one that I have this week for spooky news comes from the BBC in Scotland. So it's actually, again, we're talking about Scotland, but this time it's not about the Loch Ness Monster. Um, it's, it's uh, as you may know, I've, I've been getting into genealogy a lot. I've recently found a long lost sister uh, that um, I had never met. And so I've been getting very, very into genealogy. And so I was actually searching for genealogy when this popped up. And it's a year too old, but it's still very, very interesting. Uh, the headline reads that Scottish witchcraft book published online. Um, and this is a 350-year-old book that was used to record the names of those accused of witchcraft in Scotland. And they went ahead and published it online on Ancestry.com, actually. Um, this has the name of the witches in Scotland. It's from 1658, and it was drawn up during a time when the persecution... Uh, of supposed witches was rife. The book also lists the towns where the accused lived, as well as notes of confession. It is also believed to uh, have uh, folk medicine spells and things like that and such within there, um, as well as notes that give small insights into the lives of those accused. Uh, A majority of those accused, of course, were women. Um, though the records do reveal that some men were also persecuted, it goes on to list a number of different people that were in there. Um, it's to give a little history on it. It says the passing of the Scottish Witchcraft Act in 1563 made witchcraft or consulting with witches capital crimes in Scotland. It is estimated that between 3,000 and 5,000 women were publicly accused of being witches in the 16th and 17th century Scotland. And of course, we're only talking about Scotland. It was a much higher number in England. Um, and yeah, this was insane. And there's, there's a story that goes on to one of the things that they found in there. Uh, but this essentially gives us a fleeting view of a world beyond Orthodox medicine. Um, and, and that these people that were healers and things like that were, were simply being accused of witchcraft. And, and it, it's kind of frightening and scary, especially me being pagan. And, you know, I'm like, no, oh, I wonder if any of my relatives that were over there were witches, you know? Yeah. Well, it makes you wonder too if, if, um, well, you know the whole the whole thing with like the the Salem witch trials and everything. It's it's been kind of rumored or or whatever that all of that was really just because uh, women were uh, educating themselves. Yes, and so it was like you know you know if you learn math or science, you're you must be a witch. And so for sure, there's a so, lot of that for sure. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, how much of the stuff? Because you know, you talked about it. A lot of the for Scottish is a lot of, a lot of them were women, and so I'm I'm sure that a lot of them fell within that same kind of bucket of, you know, you, you know, <clears throat> think about the movie, uh, you know, the Disney, the Beauty and the Beast, which I know is based off something else that's more dark, but um, 
Belle would have been a witch. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Uh, but anyways, yeah, a- absolutely, man. And uh, there's a famous play, and it is it is uh, my my brain is is not working at the moment, but it's all about the Salem witch trials. Um, and, and you know, a lot of this was it was. Uh, a woman refused a man, so he accused her of being a witch. Um, yeah. Somebody's mad because they borrowed money, didn't pay him back. They accused him as a witch. They didn't like the way they smelled. They didn't like the way they looked. I mean, it was so easy to do it, especially during that time when the church was out. Yeah. You know, when they had these witch master generals that were out looking. It's like, you know, we always joke, go, oh, don't speed on the first and the end of the month because they got to get their quota. Well, that was the same thing with these witch finder generals. You know, they were expected to have a quota. Well, what, and this is, and this is a little, little geek out here, but um, the, I think we're introduced them in the uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, the, the um, cartoon series. Mm hmm. Or actually, I think it might have been actually Star Wars Rebels. But the um, the enforcers that were like, they were like Sith, but they weren't oh, Sith. Oh yeah, like the the adjudicators or whatever yeah. they were called. Yeah. And they were like they were they were hunting Jedi and things like that, but they weren't really Sith. And it was just real, so it's it's almost like that. It's like you know you're you're doing something that may be in line with the church, but is a little outside of the norm of the church. And so we're going to hunt you down and make an example out of you. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, it's it's crazy. There's a lot of TV and movies that go and talk about it. Uh, Even the play, uh, the crucible, that's what it's called. Okay. They made a movie about it too. Winona Ryder's in it. It's really, really good. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're even watching a show called outlander and it's set back in like the 1700s. Um, in Scotland and they're talking a lot, you know, because she, she's this woman that gets transported back from, uh, 1940s England back yeah. then. And so she was a nurse in the army. And so they're calling her a witch. They call her the white witch, like, because she, <laughs> you know, yeah. she's able to heal people and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's, it's really, yeah. and because she has immunizations, she's able to go into a ship full of smallpox and, you know, help people and not get it. <laughs> So. Well, and um, you know, then, then there's the the show called The Witcher, but that's something different. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> show too. Good show. But anyways, the other the other piece of spooky news that I got for you is some verification here. Um, I actually posted this the other day on the website, but I wanted to, or excuse me, on the Facebook page, but I wanted to reshare this again that the Pentagon has officially released the UFO videos that Tom DeLonge and those guys uh, uh, to the Stars Academy released, and the Navy backed up the pentagon itself has officially released the three short videos showing unidentified aerial phenomena that had previously been released by of course tom delange and those guys so this is really really big news uh and you know ufo is is falling out of fashion uaps are now the big term the unidentified aerial phenomena um and i think a lot of that has to do with the, the ufos have such a negative connotation to it now yeah and so, um, but yeah, so the video show would appear to be unidentified flying objects rapidly moving while being recorded by infrared cameras. Two of the videos contain service members reacting in awe at how quickly the objects are moving. One speculates that it could be a drone. And of course, the Navy acknowledged earlier this year the veracity of the, uh, the videos. Uh, they are officially releasing them now. Uh, in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there are more videos. 
Uh, and this came from Sue Goff from the Pentagon. Um, after a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos do not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems, said Goff, and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. And of course, now the Navy has their formal guidelines on how its pilots can report what they see. Uh, and it's just, it's just interesting, man, that the, the Pentagon is now coming out and saying, hey, yeah, here they are. They're still not saying necessarily that it's, you know, alien origin or anything like that. But they're basically saying, yeah, we don't really know what it is, but here it is. We've, we've covered all of our butts. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know right. I mean, that's and I think that's where they're probably trying to get away from the whole UFO because I think everybody hears UFO and thinks alien. Yeah, but really it's just it's you know I, this is going to sound very redundant, but it's just unidentified. I mean it it could be anything. We just right. don't know what it is. You know it doesn't necessarily mean that it's alien. So right. um, you know it could be interdimensional you know it could, the, could be russia could be right you know it, it could be a rival u.s faction who knows yeah. who knows who but knows who knows why not but um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean it, it yeah it's a really nice uh vindication i think for for those guys who you know who that show what was called um unidentified inside I think it was like Inside America's yeah. UFOs and blah, blah, blah. But they're supposed to be, I think they're coming out with the second season. They are, yeah. So, um, and if you watch that show, what you saw a lot of in the last couple of, of uh, episodes was them meeting with Congress yep. to try to get the government to come out and officially say, yes, these yeah. are real. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, you know, because you got Bob Lazar, You've got um, Steve Greer. Those are two of the big names that have been around for a very, very long time that have been meeting with Congress and trying to get things done, especially Steve Greer. I just watched a documentary called Unacknowledged, and there's a new one getting ready to drop. It may already have dropped called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. <clears throat> and it's all about Steve Greer's, you know, stuff with the Congress, like that big, <clears throat> were a bunch of leaders in the military and in Congress that all met, like, 15, 20 years ago, Steve Greer is the one that that led that whole thing. Hmm. And uh, But it's amazing that it took somebody like Tom DeLonge, who has a ton of money, to make things really start to happen. Yeah. And so, you know... Well, he, and, 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 and Louis Elizondo, I mean, he... Yes. You know, the, you know, the fact... He had... He has quite the credentials. Exactly. Um, to, to, you know, to... You know, we've talked about it before in the credibility of a witness. And um, so basically the, the group that was put together are all highly credible people. The, the, the three videos that they're talking about are military videos. Again, highly credible people. Yeah, they're impressive. So it, it's not like, you know, I don't mean any disrespect, but it's not uh, John Boy down in the holler, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, because for whatever reason, we've talked about this before, but for whatever reason, there's automatically an assumption of, of uh, lack of credibility from John Boy and the Holler. Well, and, and, so, and I told you, they talk about that in an un unacknowledged. They talk about that the government used a smear campaign to 
take any credible witnesses out of the limelight and leave only the dis the discredible is, is that's, that's the word um the uh, in uh, whatever you know what i mean yeah <laughs> uncredible <laughs> ones um are the ones that were left on the news and things like that to make it look as if it were rednecks and yeah. and losers and country folk and bumpkins right. or unintelligent people or, right. or you know pe- whatever and um and i think that that's one of the reasons why there is a shift now over to the term uh uap as a right. ufo because now the government's like oh people aren't panicking like we thought they would they're far more interested in this and i think that the conversation had to be rewritten to gain ground again well i mean look at it this way and and, and whatever your your take on the whole situation in the man or whatever but Trump's announcement of the Space Force. Huge deal. Huge. Huge I mean, deal. society accepted that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. We should have we should have a force in space. That makes so the fact that they're so willing to accept that we should have a force in space probably means that they would be willing to accept that, yeah, for the last five hundred years we've been visited by whatever, you know. So Oh yeah. I, I think a lot of people say they don't believe when they actually do. Um, and for example, there were a lot of people, and one of the reasons why Donald Trump run, won, this is not a political thing I'm saying here, but is that they didn't want to vote for Hillary, but they were too afraid to tell anybody that they didn't want to. So they were telling people they were voting for Hillary, but walking into the booth and voting for Donald Trump because they knew that he wasn't liked by a lot of people and that they were embarrassed about it. My dad was one of those. My dad told us he was voting Democrat until after the fact. And finally he admitted to it. He's like, no, this is, I did it. I I just couldn't do it. And this is kind of that same thing. There's a lot of people that are like, Oh no, I mean, UFOs, come on. Nobody believes. Oh, we're believing that right now. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Right. (laughs) So it's like, they're waiting for their outlet to be able to finally say, yeah. And, well, and, I think it's they're testing the waters, right? Mm-hmm. So, like here, here's these three videos that these that these guys came out with. Nobody freaked out. Uh, so, so okay. Well, let's let's have you know the president talk about uh, the space force. Nobody freaked out. Okay, let's let's come out and openly admit that yes, these were valid videos. Nobody's freaking out. Mm-hmm. It, you know, again, it, it's like you know baby steps. It's it, yeah. it's a it's an incremental rollout of information. I've actually been pretty surprised by the lack of uh, social media sharing on this story that the Pentagon has done that. And I think it's because people are like, okay, whatever. I don't think it's a, oh, it's hiding. Because no, I mean, when I search it, it's all over the place. I mean, just yeah. this story alone that dropped the other day, uh, it's everywhere. So, but, it, but it's not being shared you know, because it's not big news anymore. And I, and I think that's what exactly what you mean. They were testing the waters to see if it would be this huge ordeal that people would pack up their cars and leave, which right. I think they probably would have in the 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, especially so, after World War II and oh, yeah. things like that. Absolutely. But now, well, and, you know, after, after you know, before, before the space race, but after Sputnik, that whole period of time. Oh, yeah. Would have been, you know, for sure. Definitely. Yep. So, but yeah. So anyways, uh, the, speaking of that, that's a good segue for us to get out of spooky news and move into our UFO sighting for the week. I know you said you got a good one for us. So let's go ahead and jump into the UFO sighting of the week.
All right, what do we got? What's the, you said some good and hope- Yeah. So this comes from uh, Princeton, Indiana. Okay. Uh, this was on Monday, April 20th. So, you know, just what, 10 days ago? Yeah. Or so when we're recording this. So, um, and uh, yeah, here we go. Was outside at 3.20 and at 3.29 noticed funny light moving through the tree outside the back door. Once it got into a clear view, I noticed it was very unusual. Certainly not a normal craft, nor a drone. I got the binoculars for a closer look and noticed it to be a triangular in shape with three blue lights at each point with one larger pulsating red light in the center. It looked to be up around 15 to 20,000 feet at approximately 45 degrees. I watched it move very slowly, occasionally picking up speed, then stop to hover, move some more, and then stop again. It then turned 180 degrees where it stood and moved north to south. It stopped for five seconds, became brighter, and then vanished with a speed impossible to follow. The event lasted seven minutes. The sky was pretty clear, no moon, no other planes at the time, I waited for 30 minutes, but it never returned. Nothing I know of can take off at that kind of speed from a standstill. Hopefully someone may have seen it too. Wow. That's intense. That that is intense. That's, I mean, that's, um, to be able to be, now, I'll say that not everybody as is as good at, at judging distance as they think they are. <laughs> um, so trust me, I can't play basketball to save my life. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was never good at baseball cause I could never figure out where the ball was and, and positioned to me. You were so. just good at blowing your knee out while swinging a bat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for that memory. Um, so I don't know how much that I want to necessarily hone in on the fact of, of where it was in, in relation to, you know, 15 to 20,000 feet. However, it was close enough that with binoculars, he could make out some details as far as like the lights and the shape. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty low in the sky, in my opinion, even with binoculars. Well, and again, um, it's sitting within this Ohio Valley area. I looked up Princeton. It's about the same distance from, uh, from Louisville to Evansville, except for Evansville is south of 64. Princeton is north of 64. They run north and south from each other. Uh, so if you go right, you'll go to Princeton. If you go left, you go to Evansville. So it's not too far. I mean, it's I mean, it's further than uh, Holiday World, of course, but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's still within our area in a sense, you know, two, three hours at max. And uh, just, a, just a quick side note, um, it's also probably in line with the Claude Beasley, Ohio site in the 50s. Oh, yeah, because that's Evansville. And, and, and Hopkins Kelly. and Kelly. Yep. yep, I'm actually looking right now. It is a straight shot down to Hopkinsville. And if it moved north to south when it took off, that would have been in line with Hopkinsville, with Kelly. Wow. I didn't even think about that when I was looking at this. Yeah, it's about two hours away from Louisville. And, yeah, it's a straight shot down to get to Hopkinsville. 
So, yeah, <clears throat> now, I'm not I'm not saying it's all related, but it's all related. I, I, <laughs> I'm not saying it's aliens. <laughs> aliens. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just like you said, Hopkinsville, Kelly, you go north, you hit that area of Evansville where they spotted the the, uh, the Claude Beast of the Ohio. You go north from there, you get to Princeton. It's, you know, it, it makes you wonder if that's some sort of ley line or. Yeah. Or something along the lines. Cave system. Yeah. Or a cave system, which uh, more than likely is. I mean, it's a hilly area for sure. Yeah. Well, and we, you know, we already, with the Claude Beast, you know, they had the the mud on the beast or whatever on the, on the girl's leg that um, only comes from underwater caves. And so that was in Indiana. So you well, stand to reason that there could go farther up in. Well, in fact, I know that there's the whole Maringo cave system up in Indiana. Oh yeah. And, I mean, dude, this is not far from like French Lick and Paoli and Jasper, like all big caves and mountain area. It's on the other side of the Hoosier national forest, which is where all of those sit. Um, so very, very interesting. Yeah, indeed. Indeed! Indubitably! Indubitably! So, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. I'm, I'm very, very interested in that. One, one piece of quick news as well. I didn't want to use it for a spooky news, but it fits right into here. But there, uh, it looks like Elon Musk is going to be darkening his Starlink satellites. Did you see that? Uh, I did. astronomers are getting really, really pissed off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well, so, and- yeah, you know, and frankly, uh, people who are reporting UFO sightings are getting pissed off because they're being equated to yeah. Starlink, right? Or they're know, being so. bombarded. I mean, we've even right. talked about it. It's like I now have to question everything, right? Like, and I hate that I got to question that now. Um, before it was like, oh, was that an airplane? Nope, it, airplanes don't move. If you do that, that way. Right now, it's like, oh, was that Starlink? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Um, what's unfortunate though is that. You know this, so this is every launch going forward will have this capability, but there are already six uh, orbital paths, if you will, that are up there that yeah. won't. So oh, those, I, I didn't know. If, uh, I I didn't read the whole article, so I assume yeah. you're going to kind of retrofit them. No, so so the way that the way that they're doing it is, I read I read the whole article is they're going to change the degree in which the solar panels are tilted. So when you see right. the stuff pass over, you don't really see the object. You see the glare off the solar panels. Correct. So they're going to change the, the, the degree in which they're tilted so that it's not just much glare off of the solar panels when you see it from the Earth. Yep. So it's not actually a covering or anything that goes over the panels. It's just they're going to change the degree of the tilt. That makes so sense. that it doesn't reflect as much. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk about uh, reflecting and deflecting. Let's get into <laughs> the men in black. Let's get into our topic for the week. All right. We work for a highly funded yet unofficial government agency. We'll take it from here. Who the hell are you? INS Division 6. There is no Division 6. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth. All right, so we're going to be talking about the Men in Black, and, uh, you know, I can't get that Will Smith song out of my head, man. It's already yep. there. Well, the video with the with the alien dancing and stuff, too. Oh, you know, yeah. The bikey guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's really, I think what's really interesting is um, that, that Men in Black which what spawned four movies, right? Yeah. Three with three with Will Smith and then one with Chris or which yeah. Hemsworth. Which it's Chris. Hemsworth? It's Chris. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
That's my um, that's my wife's uh, third husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you know, four movies spawned from that, but but all of that was really based off of the very popular comic book series uh, from the Men in Black, right? And then, of course, all of that is really based off of um, the mentions in the books of the the fifties and sixties. Right. So, um, so there is, I think when we talk through this, I think you'll, that you'll see that there are some similarities to what the history is for the men in black and what the movies uh, portray. Oh yeah. I mean, they definitely took their inspiration from that for sure. So, um, so yes, we'll dive right into it here in, uh, in, in pop culture, uh, for the USO, you know, USO. You, you know, <laughs> it's not. It's not Bob Hope out there dressed in black. <laughs> <Could be. laughs> um, men in black uh, are supposed to be men dressed in black suits who claim to be a quasi-government agents who harass, threaten, or assassinate UFO witnesses to keep them quiet about what they have seen. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, yeah, Keel talks about that quite a bit those that uh, came out with a lot of uh, abduction sightings or UFO sightings or spoke about it, always seem to mysteriously die within a few years. Yeah, and usually from like, excuse me, some like weird health complications, Mm -hmm. and they were previously fit individuals. Right. So it wasn't like, you know, the brake line was cut on their car or something. I mean, it was just <laughs> right. like they, they died of seemingly natural causes, but it was unnatural for the fitness that they were in. So Correct. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it sometimes implied that uh, they may be aliens themselves. Right, which is which, something I learned while reading Keel's books. Yeah, so, you know, Mothman prophecies and the Eighth Tower mm-hmm. uh, talk a lot about them having kind of like an olive complexion skin. Yeah, um, like they referred to them as as almost Asian looking. Yeah, um, usually very slender. Um, you know, some of the other things that that I think they talk about in the, in the Kill books are like they had to uh, take pills. Uh, oh yeah, the the water uh, they needed always like asking lots of water glass of water so they could take a pill. Uh-huh. Um, I think in one of the one of the points they talk about in the Mothman prophecies, uh, the a, like a documented interview with a man with a man in black, uh, and he started getting really red, and yeah, then he couldn't get he couldn't get his pill. That's right, right. And then they, and then finally they gave him a glass of water and he took his pill and the redness went away. Yeah, it was supposed to be like I, I think they theorized it was like some sort of like depressurization pill or gravity yeah. pill or something, something. Well. Like that. And, and I'm gonna. This is a little bit off topic, but if we, talk, if we think about the book with um, uh, visitors from Lanulos, mm-hmm. and Ingrid Cold had to scare off the 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 the, the inhumanoids. inhumanoids that fly around in the pink spaceships. Right. So <clears throat> we already know there's potentially the the Lanulosians. I just butchered that word. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the inhumanoids, and so there potentially there could be others. So the idea that this might not be actually the government, but actually some other uh, alien race that wants to keep this stuff quiet. Right. So. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. So the, the term is often frequently used to describe mysterious men working for unknown organizations, as well as various branches of government. Uh, allegedly designed to protect secrets or perform other strange activities. Uh, the term is generic, used for any unusual, threatening, or strangely behaved individual whose appearance on the scene can be linked in some fashion with a UFO sighting. Several alleged encounters with men in black have been reported by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. Yep. Even that... um. That newspaper lady in Point Pleasant yeah. talked a lot about these strange-looking olive-skinned men with black suits that would come in and and ask if things had been reported. And right, and I don't want to. Um, hopefully, you know, spoiler alert: anybody who hasn't read uh, Mothman Prophecies, I can't remember if he talks about it at the end of that book or at the beginning of the Eighth Tower. But she also died on you know just random right. un, like natural causes. So. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, a number of, of the guys he dis- he talks about, lo- he lost. Yep. Um, which is, I think, really interesting that Keel himself, in all of his writings, has never talked about his own encounters with the men in black. Well, he talks a little bit about some encounters, like mostly just seeing a car or, or but, different but, things yeah. like that, but not like some but, of these other people have. Yeah. Well, and, and not face-to-face is the point that I'm making. So, yeah, they weren't pressuring him or pressuring right. him. Right. They, they would impersonate him. They would call and cancel appointments or call mm-hmm. and impersonate him to get more information, but he never actually had a situation where he was face-to-face with them. Yeah, and he, no. and he lived to a ripe old age. Yeah, his his thing was more like, being surveyed like you remember him talking about his yeah. telephone being tapped quite right. a bit and yeah and then yeah them p- pretending to be him and and different things like that very very interesting yeah so it says <clears throat> that folklorist james r lewis uh, compares accounts of men in black with tales of people encountering lucifer and speculates that they can be considered a kind of psychological drama mm. so and I'm not so when I first read that I was um I kind of went into a defensive state kind of like that he was saying you're you're imagining it right um but I don't I don't think that that so it's kind of like what we've talked about in the past with um Darren Berger and his encounters and other people's encounters is did they actually converse with them on the physical plane or was it a mental projection? Or even then, like we talked about, that's just what they were able to think about during their time, like the fairy sightings and things like that of the early, uh, the, the late 1800s um, and things like that. Yeah. That, that was all they could think about that it would be was is it's got to be the devil. I mean, especially... If you're looking again, I'm watching Outlander, and one of the characters is Chinese, and they do not know what to do with him. It's the you know middle of the 1700s, and they've never seen a Chinese person, you know, and like, and so this is yeah. the same thing. It's like so here, here you could imagine, you know, 15, 1600s or some crap like that. And here's an olive-skinned-looking person in the middle of England. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like they wouldn't know what to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, 
So men in black uh, figure prominently in ufology and UFO folklore. In the 1950s and 60s, ufologists adopted a conspiracy. Uh, well, that is a long, weird word. Conspirator, conspiratorial. There you go. Uh, mindset and began to fear they would be subject to organized intimidation and retaliation for discovering the truth of the UFOs. Mm. Um, by the way, I'm still waiting for my Men in Black encounter. Um, I feel like we press the envelope all the time and I've never seen anybody following me. I've well, never seen I, random people working on my telephone line. I know. was an altar boy and I dealt with the men in black quite frequently. Um, they call them priests, <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I dealt with them all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, in, uh, so in 1947, Harold Dahl, D-A-H-L, in case somebody wanted to look it up, uh, claimed to have been warned not to talk about his alleged UFO sighting on Maury Island by a man in a dark suit. Wasn't that the same year as Roswell? Yes. So very interesting. Like, hey, we've already got some shit out there that we're going to be dealing with. We don't need you. (laughs) We don't need you adding to it. and, And it's really... You know, we like we've speculated about this. I know other people have speculated about this as well, but this is you know so forty seven is just a few years after the first atomic bomb, right? And there's a lot of speculation that when we when we first started working with uh, you know splitting the atom, that's when these intelligences took notice or interest in us. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Um, so in in the mid nineteen fifties. A ufologist, Albert K. Bender, which we're going to get into Mr. Bender here in a little bit, um, uh, claimed he was visited by men in dark suits who threatened and warned him not to continue investigating UFOs. Bender maintained that the men in black were secret government agents who had been given the task of suppressing evidence of UFOs. It's so funny because like, I'm more apt to believe that than I am the aliens but that's because I believe in the aliens. It's like, I feel like that the government would be like, cause they are, I mean, if you especially look into uh, project blue book, which we're going to be getting in the next week or so. And it's like, you know, you know that they were out there, they were doing stuff and that they were trying to cover shit up. Yeah. But I mean, so I, I am of the mindset that um, there's more than one, uh, ET or UT faction at play here. Yeah. And um, I am also of the mindset that the ones that want to cover it up or suppress it are different from the ones who are actually uh, you're, you're, you're seeing, you're witnessing, you're, you're experiencing, whatever. Right. So, you know, to, to what end? I don't know. But, you know, it, it could be that, that they want to suppress it because if uh, if you know if you know, if the human race learns about them, they'll join them in their fight against them. I, who, who knows? You know, this is yeah, all very and and then it could be very much, you know, the government trying to use the tactics that the aliens were, or vice versa, that the aliens were trying to use the same tactics that the humans were as a way to infiltrate. So I mean, it could be a column A and column B type thing. Yeah, very much so. I mean, they, they could be working together. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
<clears throat> the, uh, the UFOlogist John Keel, who we talked about a lot here, uh, claimed to have encounters with the men in black and referred to them as the demonic supernaturals with dark skin and or exotic facial features. Mm-hmm. According to the UFOlogist Jerome Clark, reports of men in black represent experiences that don't seem to have occurred in the world of conscious reality. Hmm. Yeah. It, it's it's really interesting and yeah uh keel definitely did he he's one of the first ones that i that i read that talked about not only was it olive skinned but there was like a darker reddish skin uh as yeah. well in some of them and that he thinks that you know maybe those go back we maybe it was us that talked about it, ancient aliens going back that maybe that's you know the the culture that they had first visited you know yeah. was an asian culture or a, a native american culture or it, it could be that when Kiel saw them and they were red-faced, it was because they hadn't taken their pill. Yeah, yeah that, or it was a drought, and it was not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, were in, they were in Alabama, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the uh, historian Aaron, I'm going to butcher this last name, Gulyas, G-U-L-Y-A-S. Gulyas? Oh, we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Wrote, during the 1970s, 1980s and 1990s UFO conspiracy theorists would incorporate the men in black into their increasingly complex and paranoid visions. So again, again, they're basically kind of saying that these people are already insane. So of course they would incorporate that there's something out to get them. Yeah. That because it's already popular fiction that it's, it's already, going to fit into your into their narrative and i and i believe a little bit of that i mean you know that's why a lot of times the police when they're looking for a serial killer will put out false information because people will call in and claim to be the killer and they'll just basically repeat the information that they heard on the news and they know right then and there it wasn't them right you know you know it's kind of talking a little bit kind of backtrack just a little bit about the fact that it is it government or is it an alien faction or is it both? I, I'm reminded of the, the, there was a, a point in one of the kill books. I can't remember which, but he talks about how um, the, the cars that they rode around in, they never used any headlights, never used any taillights. Mm-hmm. They had license plates, but if you tried to run the plate, it would always come back as an unprinted license plate. Yeah, or even sometimes, you, anytime you would try to read the plate, you just weren't able to. Yeah, but the, the the unprinted plate really just boggles my mind because that means it was never printed. It's not like they stole it off of another car. Yeah, that means they made their own. They made their own license plate. So, yeah. um, anyways, it was just just again the the resources that would be required to do that does lend itself to be more government agency type thing. Right. Um, but we also don't know the resources of an entity, uh, alien entity race. So, yeah. Uh, in his article, uh, this is a, in quotes, Gray Barker, my friend, the myth maker, John C. Sherwood, or it should be Sherwood, claims that in the late 1960s, at the age of 18, he cooperated when Gray Barker urged him to develop a hoax which Barker subsequently published about what Barker, Barker called black men, three mysterious UFO inhabitants who silenced 
Sherwood's pseudonymous identity. So I don't know what to take of that. Yeah, I don't either, especially because Gray being such a big advocate. Um, I don't know. I, I It also is interesting because it, it sounds very similar to the uh, the story of when Abraham meets God. <laughs> there was three... Yeah. You know, three creatures or three humanoids, so to speak. Yeah. We're considered one. So very, very interesting. Yeah. So, um, well, I mentioned earlier b- before about um, Albert Bender. So let's right. talk a little bit more about Albert Bender. Not not Bender from Futurama. No. Nope. Uh, although when I when I read his name, I do picture uh, Bender from Futurama. Every and like, time. And like a smoking jacket. <laughs> I think there, I think there probably is a picture of Bender in a smoking jacket. I think I've seen yeah. that. <laughs> so, among the early victims of this evil silence group was Albert K. Bender of Bridgeport, Connecticut. In 1952, Bender formed the International Flying Saucer Bureau, or oh. IFSB, right, which met with immediate success. But he shut it down the next year under mysterious circumstances. In due course, Bender confided that three men in black had imparted to him the terrifying answer to the UFO mystery and turned his life into a nightmare. Interesting. Interesting that three keeps coming up. I know. I go back to the Bible again and I think about the three wise men. Who were, who were there because there was a huge astronomical anomaly that was in the sky, and they show up right to where it's kind of pinpointed. You know, I, I read this. <laughs> I, yeah, I read this. I read something sometime. It's been, it's I don't remember when it was, but it's, it's something about the psycho the the psychological effect of um, of convincing someone of something, and and they said that if if it's one on one. It's the the subject who is trying to be convinced is oftentimes uh, more skeptical that what the person is telling them is true. If it's two on one, there's still some level of skepticism that the other person is not just going along with the story. Mm-hmm. But if it's three, if it's three on one, then there's they're more likely to believe the story because all three individuals are telling the same story. Hmm. So it's just, again, I can't remember where I read that. I'll have to see if I can find an article that talks about it. But um, that maybe that's where three, that's, maybe that's why three is there. Maybe it, that's why the, the, writers, mean, the writers of the Bible have three. There's, the Trinity is three. You're right. more likely to believe it if it's three. Yeah, so. uh, well, comedy happens in three. A lot of things are known to happen in three. Um, but uh, you're right, though. The more, when you do, when you have more than two people – people give it more credence. I mean, you look at Betty and Barney Hill, it was that, oh, well, they're just kind of in this, you know, together. I don't, I don't know. But when you get into the Travis Walton experience, all of them passed that test and people were like, oh my God, that's why it's considered such a remarkable story because there were so many of them. Yep. Now, now take that three that I just talked about and really start thinking about the stuff that you watch or listen or read and where there's three you really start to I don't know accept it more mm-hmm. you know like Tom Tom the thing we just talked about with, with Delange and his 
you know, the thing that they did on the History Channel. Yeah. That was really three guys throughout the entire show. I mean, there was others that came and went, but it's really just those three guys. Right, and it's, and it's three videos. Yeah. And there were three agencies that released it to the Stars Academy, the Navy, and then the Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, when I'm picking up on all this is that we might need another co-host. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the, the, so anyways, the, the, they had, you know, basically, so what's really interesting here, we, we spent a lot of time talking about three, but what's really interesting in this sentence is that <clears throat> they convinced him to stop by telling him the truth. And he was terrified by it. Hmm. God, such an opposite story to Woody, Woody Derenberger. Yeah. He was, well, told, it, he was told the truth and he was enlightened by it all. Again, did he encounter different right. race, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there could, there could be two or more truths to it. So um, he would say no more. Three years, <laughs> three, three years later, an IFSB associate, Gray Barker, wrote a book about the episode. The title perfectly captured the paranoia abroad in UFO land, and it was called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. Yes, that's the book I couldn't think of. Through the Bender mystery, the legend of the men in black came into the world, even though, as Barker observed, a man in black had played a villainous role in the Maury Island incident. According to Barker, the MIB were ranging as far afield as Australia and New Zealand, scaring still more UFO buffs into silence. By the late 1980s, MIB tales had become sufficiently ubiquitous that the August Journal of American Folklore took note of them in a long article. Just who the MIB were remained uncleared. To Saucerians, enamored with conspiracy theories, they were enforcers for the silence group. Associated with the international banking interest, you might recall that from our discussions a little yes, bit on yes, Mothman and Keel. Yeah, that's something we haven't talked about in a while. Uh, that sought to stifle the technological advances and moral reforms the Space Brothers wanted to bestow on Earthlings. To others, they were alien beings, perhaps, some speculated, Shavers Deros. I don't know what Shaver, I'll have to look that up. S-H-A-V-E. Oh, yeah. uh, he was in, I believe, Alan Greenfield's book. They okay. talk about him. In 1962, Bender came down on the side of the alien school. So, not government, but alien. Or, not private, let's say. Um, breaking his nine-year silence in Flying Saucers and the Three Men, which he insisted was not a science fiction novel. Bender revealed that the men in black who drove him out of ufology were monsters from the planet Kazik. Even Barker, the book's publisher, and a relentless Bender promoter, remarked privately and out of customers hearing that maybe it had all been a dream. How do you spell Kazik? K-A-Z-I-K. 
Oh, it's getting close to Kashik, man, where Chewbacca's from. So I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> or Ka- Kashik, sorry. I, was say, I, was, I think it's pronounced Kashik. Uh, it's like all the places, man, that when I used to read the expanded universe, how I just, you know, named that, whatever I want. Kashik and Coruscant. Yeah. That's what I used to call it. <laughs> Coruscant, where women are scantily clad. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a place in France, I don't know if you know this, where the naked ladies dance. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were going to call it Coruscant, but they just didn't want to. <laughs> Anyways. Um, fear of the MIB was generated in part by worries about the possible hostile motives of UFOs. A popular early book, Flying Saucers on the Attack, by Harold T. Wilkins in 1954, fretted that a cosmic general staff could even now be plotting a real-life war of the worlds. But next to demonologist, ufologist John A. Keel, author of UFOs, Operation Trojan Horse. That's the one I'm working my way through right now. That was mm-hmm. written in 1970. Wilkins sounded like an optimist. And Keel's rendering, UFO intelligences are not simply extraterrestrials, but ultra-terrestrials. Entities from unimaginable other dimensions of reality. Worse, they definitely do not like us at all. Interesting. Uh, it says keel thunders are like ants trying to view reality with very limited perceptive equipment. We are biochemical robots helplessly controlled by forces that can scramble our brains, destroy our memories, and use us in any way they see fit. They have been doing it to us forever. Hmm. And I have re- I have read that in the Eighth Tower as well as in Operation Trojan Horse. Um, that basically we, we lack in, in his mind, you know, this is gets into the whole super spectrum and everything, but we lack the understanding to be able to do anything more with the super spectrum other than to receive kind of like a, if you think about a radio, we can receive transmissions, but we can't, uh, transmit our own things. Right. Right. So. Uh, after nine years, so this is a key takeaway, after nine years of shutting everything down, he broke his silence and revealed the truth. And Flying Saucers and the Three Men, that's definitely had to go on the, the read list. Because um, that's where, you know, it says that they were monsters from the planet Kazakh. So, What was the name of that book again? Uh, Flying Saucers and the Three Men. Right. All right, so I've got I've got one more thing to talk about as it relates to the Men in Black, and this is actually a more recent um, encounter. In 1987, writing in the respected Journal of American Folklore, Peter M. I'm gonna that's this thing up. Rod <laughs> Rod Rodsquitz. Rod Stewart. It's it's R O J. C-E-W-I-C-Z. Oh, all right. Okay. You're not even going to try, are you? Nope. <laughs> I believe um, in you. 
examined uh, folk concepts and beliefs in other worlds as they related to the men in black. One classic tale of a men in black involved a man with the pseudonym Michael Elliott. One afternoon, as Elliott sat in a university library immersed in UFO literature, a thin, dark-featured man approached him. Speaking in a slight accent, the man asked Elliot what he was reading about. Flying saucers, Elliot replied, adding that he had no particular interest in their reality or unreality, just in the stories told about them. The stranger shouted, Flying saucers are the most important fact of the century, and you're not interested. Then the man stood up, as if mechanically lifted, spoke gently, go well in your purpose, and departed. <laughs> when, Eli- when Elliot went to follow the man, he found the library eerily deserted. A year or two after this article appeared, Rajwitz, the guy's name I can't pronounce, confessed that he was Michael Elliot. Wow. That, you know, that kind of reminds me of the other thing that they talk about with when the, when these men in black talk, they always use the, the, the descriptor in a sing song voice. Yeah. I noticed that too. And is that, so like in, in the audio book, cause you know, I do a lot of these things in audio books and the audio book that I listen to, there's a part where they, the, the narrator or the person reading the book speaks in the, in, in the tone of the men in black and using the descriptor of a sing song voice. It sounds like, sounds kind of like this. It's like, well, you know that we really want to see you. So like, is that a sing songy voice? I don't know. I've never, it, it is a sing songy voice, but I mean, okay. you could think of, uh, hello, what are you doing? That's more okay. But yeah, that is also sing songy. Okay. So it's almost like A, they don't understand syntax of language, or B, um, or, or both, in that they don't understand or speak the language. And so they've only learned what they need to learn to communicate. It, people like travel abroad and only learn certain words in the language of wherever they're going, probably don't use it correctly. Right. They don't use the accents correctly. They don't use the um, inflection correctly. So, yeah. So, so yeah, that's our, uh, that's our report on the men in black. Interesting. So what is your consensus then? So, I mean, there's, there's too many reports of encounters to dismiss it as, um, you know, this is to dismiss it as somebody making something up. If, if, um, and I would say too many similarities in the encounters. I mean, in today's world, if you saw all those similarities, you would say, well, somebody wrote the post, read the post on Facebook and they just, they incorporated that into their story. But when all this stuff was going down predominantly was in the, it was in the mid, you know, mid to late sixties. And we didn't have the internet, you know, we didn't, you know, there were newspapers, sure, and, and, and journals and things like that. But all that time, all that stuff took time to to write, to print, to distribute, to circulate, so on and so forth. So to have accounts 
that are captured within short periods of time of one another and have and have the details of those accounts be so exact or or similar i think it's it's hard to dispute it as anything other than an actual account of an encounter yeah <clears throat> you know and and i look at it as I, I the movies are perfect because i mean it's like you do a quick google search on men in black and the first 10 pages are about the movies Yep. You know, I mean, you talk about deflection. There's a perfect deflection. You even bring up Men in Black. Nobody thinks about the horror that it used to bring them back right. in the 60s and 70s. Now they think of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. That's yep. what they think of. And it's 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 just remarkable. It's absolutely phenomenal. It, if now, if I, they are I, out there doing that stuff, how well they do it. Well, and you know, we've talked about this before. Is... Um, is this is the spike in in uh, UFO related or alien related uh, media? So movies, TV shows, all so forth. Is is all of that again to I'm trying to think of the word to say to um, uh, what's the oh I'm blanking on the word um, lesson not lesson um, basically lessen our uh, decrease our sensitivity to it. Yeah, for sure. Desensitize us. Thank you. So is it, you know, but then again, for also for potentially more than one purpose. So one, to desensitize us to, if it actually does happen, we're less likely to react poorly. Uh, Or two, to desensitize us so that if it does happen, um, no one really will pay attention to it. They'll just think it's a hoax or or a movie or whatever the case may be. So yeah. Or, or a swamp gas. <laughs> yeah. A weather, it was a weather balloon. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's definitely in the sixties. Yes. But are they still around? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You don't, man, you just don't, you just don't hear again, about it. Right. But I mean, then again, how how could we know when it's anything you know hashtag men in black is going to be about a movie yeah you know it's 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 like those sightings now get buried yep i I don't know that would be interesting to do some research into trying to find the most recent men in black sightings i mean if if anybody listening (laughs) has had an encounter with the men in black we would love to hear about it yeah that's definitely something we have not had and my buddy mark and i man we talked quite extensively in high school about the men in black um every day on our bus we talked a lot about them he had claimed to had some you know some visitors and some things like that and i don't know if that was just high school kids or what but that's where i really drummed up my interest in them was daily talking to him about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like I said, um, we have, we have a, you know, it's not a huge audience, but we have a pretty respectable audience. And we talk about this kind of stuff um, pretty much every week. Uh, And we have some pretty crazy ideas out there and people watch us on YouTube and things. Um, and, And so if there was a concern that we are, you know, impacting some message that some agency has put. I feel like we would have we would have gotten something by now. 
Like, yeah. I just feel like, you know, we would have, I would have seen a random car that I shouldn't have seen or something that was out of place or like I said, somebody working on a telephone pole close to my house or something. I just feel like that would have happened if they were still around. So either they're, either they're not still around anymore or they are, and they've just changed their tactics. So. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I did a quick Google search on uh, through news, and and I don't even know about this. This was reported uh, June thirteenth in twenty seventeen. This comes from Muscatine County in Iowa, where they say that mysterious men in black sightings reported along Muscatine County roadways that a number of people. Um, over like the course of a year or so kept seeing a man in a black trench coat walking down the paved road. But even then, I mean, it could have just been some kid. Well, it could have been a transient. I mean, yeah. So I you, people, know. you know, there are people who, who hitchhike across the country still um, and, and just don't really have a home to speak of. They just kind of move around the country and it could have been one. Of, I mean, it, and I guess that's the thing, right? Um, what, what's really interesting here in my in my statement that I just made, and your statement too, is that we went, we didn't just say, "Oh yeah, for sure, that was a minute black sighting," right? Right. We dismissed it as it could have been something else. And right. <laughs> I didn't even realize. It. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, interesting. I'm gonna definitely do some research and see if I can find some more. If I can find any more more recent, I'll try to bring them next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's our men in black. And, and again, I want to reiterate if anybody has any other stories or any theories that we didn't cover, um, send them our way. I really like the, the old antiquated folklore that, you know, those encounters with the devil were actually men in black. That's very interesting yep. uh, thought. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder how long they've been around. Um, and you know, how, how long before they start showing up at our door? That's the question. That's the question <laughs> yeah. that, that anybody that gets into this stuff always asks is, is what about them? Uh, but speaking of stories, uh, I want to go ahead and get into our listener story for the week. Um, got a good one here. Going to get back into some ghosty stuff. Uh, but uh, this one comes from, uh, her name is Yolanda Olson Martinez. And uh, she's from Georgia. So this actually comes from Georgia. Um, and, uh, she's a member of the haunted paranormal Facebook group. Um, but her story is pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, we've got our good friend, Naoma Miller, uh, is the actor portraying Yolanda this week. Um, so big thank you to Naoma. Uh, you know, we used to work with her over at WCHQ. She's had an episode getting spooky with Naoma. Um, you know, she went on the Bardstown. Yep, Bardstown with us. us yep. And she's just a, a bundle of awesomeness and psychic as all get out. So I'm really thankful for that. But yeah, here is that story again from Yolanda Olson Martinez. My name is Yolanda Olson Martinez, and I live in Georgia. Uh, five years ago, we just moved into a house, and it was around Halloween time, and I was putting makeup on my daughter while we were sitting in the dining room. And I was facing a window that showed the backyard. While I'm doing her makeup, I noticed something kind of flashed through the yard. It's white. It has half a head, shoulders, arms, no hands, the body with no legs, and it zooms by like it's running. Thought it was weird, but I kind of blew it off. Maybe I'm just seeing stuff. Maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me. I don't know. 
So a few months had passed, and my son was taking out the garbage in the middle of the night. And the place where our garbage can is sitting is on the side of our house, which is the exact spot where I saw the white figure running to. So he's out there, it's the middle of the night, and he comes running back, saying he saw something white and that it had scared him. I didn't say anything about what I had seen because I didn't want to scare him any more than he already was. Um, So I finished taking out the trash for him. Then, maybe like a year later, my daughter was letting the dogs out at night, and she started screaming that she saw someone in the backyard. I kind of glanced around in the backyard, and I said, I don't see anybody. Um, And obviously there's nobody in the backyard because the dogs would be going crazy if there was. Also, we have a fenced-in backyard, so it's less likely that somebody would just be walking by. So to clarify what my daughter had seen, I was like, okay, tell me what they were wearing. And she said they didn't have any clothes on. They were just all white. So it sounded exactly like the thing that I had seen and the thing that my son had seen. So I called my husband down and my son had the idea to give us all a piece of paper and a pen and to have us draw the white thing that we had seen. Well, it was every single one of us drew the same thing. We all did. We all drew the same thing. So obviously we were all seeing the same thing, but we're all seeing it at different times. And... I mean, that's, that's a little unsettling to me. So, a little bit later, we hadn't seen anything for a little bit, but a water leak in our roof had happened, and my husband went up to fix it, and he found a bullet around where the leak was. I'm not sure if that has any relevance to the white figure that we've all seen or not, but it's strange that he saw it up there. Um, not only have we seen that white thing, but uh, I have also seen... Things out of the corner of my eyes, like little black things. Sometimes it's like popping around the corner, and I just kind of see it for a split second and it's gone. Uh, we have stuff coming up missing all the time, and it's never to be found again. Like, we have searched high and low in our house, and we can't find anything. Um, for example, we have three welding sets that have gone missing. Three. Those are big. That's hard to lose. We hang things on our light next to our bed now to kind of keep track of where we're putting things. And we've even gotten to the point where we've removed our carpet and put wood flooring down, and we still can't find things. My daughter's gym bag went missing, uh, shoes and shorts in it. My son's gaming adapter's gone missing. A lot of things have gone missing. A lot. So here is my question to you. Why is the entity outside white? And the ones inside my house are black. And why are all of our things going missing? It's a very good question, Yolanda. Uh, you know, the ones inside that are black, those 10, you know, black entities tend to be a little more trickstery. Um, you know, even Vashtai said that, you know, those tend to be evil or demonic. Um, and we've heard that before as well. And and if they are indeed tricksters, they're going to steal your stuff, you know? Yeah, and what's really interesting, I think, is that um, I don't know how much that I would say evil or demonic because I don't want to necessarily scare anybody. But, but trickster doesn't necessarily imply evil. No, not at all. Right? So, so <clears throat> you know, for example, 
my granddaddy, when he was alive, he loved to prank people all the time. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I've had things happen where it's like, you know, I, I feel like he's here and, he, and he's just, he's just pulling a little prank on me, you know? So, um, so, so just, just being a prankster, not necessarily an evil thing. Um, well, and even then, if you're you're trying to pull a prank, you don't want to be seen. And yeah, know, being black in the in the night is a lot better than being a bright white light. Right. <laughs> so, and it, you know, and that, and that gets to another point that we talked about before with with uh, spirits is that you know they when when they want to be seen, they make themselves be seen. And so, if it's in the middle of the night and, and a dark shadow r- runs by, you're not going to see it. If it's the middle of the night in a bright white you know, <laughs> uh, uh, energy spirit, whatever runs by, you're going to see that. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, these things are just, they're, uh, they're making themselves known. They're just saying, Hey, we're here. Uh, you know, pay attention to us. Um, and, you know, I think it, it could be one singular entity as well. I mean, you know, no one's seen multiple. They've just, you know, in fact, the, the woman in white that's outside, they've all seen the same, um, you know, I don't, I listening to that story. I, I didn't hear things like I saw multiple images at once. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be the same entity, you know, and while outside, you know, this is going to sound really kind of cool, but what if it's reflecting the moonlight, you know, like, I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Well, and you know, I have, you know, I have thought about that a lot is that, um, it, it seems like, um, it seems like a lot of entities or, or even a lot of, uh, well, let's say ghost encounters mm-hmm. tend to happen on nights when it's, it's either a full moon or a, a brightly shining moon. Yeah. And it, and it, it you know, is it one of those things where the moonlight uh, helps to illuminate uh, those things? So, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what kind of radiation in terms of parapsychology and things you know, like that. We don't know. <laughs> we don't. We don't but we know. Like, but we like to speculate. So, <laughs> um, but one thing I will say, Yolanda, is that I'm glad that um, it doesn't seem like anyone's being harmed. Yes, it, it is a big deal that welding sets, because I know those aren't cheap, are coming up missing, and that and that sucks. And and I, might I suggest, you know, getting yourself into a state of meditation or a calm down area, and just speaking to them, and then asking yep. them, "Hey, we acknowledge that you're here. Can you please stop?" you know, doing that, you know, you don't need to do that for us to know that you're here, you know, yeah. might, might be a way to do something. Like you know, it's, it's like, I've had, I think I shared the story back a, a few episodes back and you know what, I, I had that, um, uh, the book, the children's book show up in my bed at my grandparents' house mm-hmm. in, in the room where, where a boy that lived in that room had died. And, um, so I, I read him the book and then after that activity dropped off. So it's, you know, it, maybe just that acknowledgement, that we understand you, you don't have to try to get our attention anymore. We know. Right. And you don't know. I mean, they, I mean that, that spirit could have died in a fire and, and it's scared of things that produce fire. I mean, who knows who yeah. we don't know. We don't right. know without bringing in a, you know, a legit medium or, or things along that line. But I, you know, I'd definitely be interested to hear if she has any more stories later on. Yep. So I'll be checking in with her again. For sure. Um, but yeah, just a reminder that you can find us on the many Facebook groups that we are on uh, and send us your story. You can PM us uh, right there on Facebook, um, as well as emailing us at fearscape at, excuse me, fearscape podcast at gmail.com. Send us your stories. We oftentimes get stories sent straight to there. 
Uh, you can also record them or we can have our actors or, or one of us portray that like we've been doing. Um, but yeah, we, we love those stories. We want to believe you. We want to share these stories. We, we share this every week. We share a story to let people know that they're not alone. Yep. So like, like many, like many people have said, or guests have said, it's a community. Yep. Um, and we want to make sure that you are, you're welcome in this community. And, uh, and we are, we are certainly glad that, to have you. So yep, absolutely. Um, we want to get out of here, but before we do, uh, want to make sure to remind people that you can find us on, uh, our website. That's www.fearscapepodcast.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, as well as our YouTube channel, where we've got separate content that's on there. There's a, our show Fearscape Unhinged. Um, as well as just some interesting things that we come across uh, when we do SS methods or, or different things like that. Be on the lookout for our YouTube channel. Uh, and all of those things can be found at Fearscape Pod. Um, but Josh, tell them about our Patreon. Yeah, so again, if you go over to FearscapePodcast.com, um, you can click on Patreon there, and we have a couple, of, or I think four different tiers. And um, you know, if you, if you like the content that we bring you, you like listening to us, um, we, we certainly like bringing this content to you, you know, please consider, uh, help supporting us by, uh, you know, maybe a, a monthly donation or a monthly, a monthly, uh, contrib- contribution at the third level and fourth level. If you, uh, sub- you know, start up for those three or excuse me, those two, you also get to pick out one of our awesome t-shirts available in our store. That's right. And I have gone going insane creating t-shirts. There's so much t-shirt content. Content We're doing our hide and seek line with all sorts of different cryptids. Uh, look for those. I created a t-shirt with my sister, Kelly Lolio, who I told you guys about. I've just recently been in contact with. We created one based off of a picture she took of a spooky, a spooky demon looking tree and uh, just all sorts of cool stuff. So get on there and uh, get yourself a t-shirt. That also helps us out. Um, and just again, thank you guys so much for listening. And of course, the best thing that you can always do is, uh, you know, rate and review and share the hell out of the show. Yep. So, but on that, Josh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, we need to get the dinner ready just in case the men in black come by, Yep. Uh, you know, not the men in black ties. Those are Mormons. <laughs> so you don't, those are different. Those are different. Yeah. So. If, I don't think they've ever had a report of the men in black on bicycles. No. <laughs> well, maybe before cars. I don't yeah, know. Well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. My name is Stefan, and uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Hey, this has been Josh, and the truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you listen to Fearscape. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs>